Good morning, everyone. We're turning this morning to read uh, a few verses from Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. And the heading in the Bible is the faith of the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to, the, to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. As Paul said, the title of the talk this morning is A Nameless Woman. Over the course of a number of Sundays, we've been following the theme of discovering Jesus through looking at encounters he had with a diverse range of different people. In every case, the people were confronted with a decision, a challenge they had to make, and a decision. Today, as we explore this incident with the Syrophoenician woman, the challenges we find will help us, as we, I hope, to appreciate better what we'll hear from Kia in the second part of the service. The background to the story is that Jesus takes the disciples out of Judea and Galilee, away from the crowds for some rest and refreshment. However, the seclusion was short-lived as his whereabouts was discovered. This woman wasted no time intruding into the home where he was resting. We don't know her name, as we've said. We're told virtually nothing about her. What we do know is she was a Gentile from the region of Tyre and Sidon, present-day Lebanon. She had a daughter who was demon-possessed, and she was very persistent. She wasn't an obvious candidate for receiving help from Jesus, but the only qualification needed to come to Jesus is to recognize our need for his intervention in our lives. Her need was obvious, her demon-possessed daughter, and she wasn't going to allow anyone or anything to discourage her from asking Jesus to change the circumstances of her life and her daughter's. In Matthew's account of this story, Matthew 15, the disciples asked Jesus to send her away. But that she wasn't going to give up on what was probably the only opportunity she would ever have to speak to Jesus directly. She was even prepared to engage in debate with him. And her faith in Christ's power to heal her daughter was powerful enough to overcome all these obstacles. Maybe there are ways that you feel today you can identify with this woman. Maybe you think you are a nobody. Not many people know who you are. Maybe you're new to the church, new to the area. Maybe some people of your friends mock or discourage you from coming to Jesus. But in your heart, you know you have a need that only he has the power to meet. 
That could be for forgiveness, possibly salvation, healing, guidance, restoration, strength, encouragement. Perhaps a combination of all of those. You know what your need is. And Jesus is waiting and willing for you to present it to him. And we mustn't let any discouragement or obstacle hinder us from being persistent in coming to him, falling at his feet in submission and believing he has the power to meet that need. Then let's turn our attention to the disciples, the other group of people in this story. They come across as hard-hearted and cold towards this woman, asking Jesus to send her away. Were they exhausted? Possibly couldn't cope with another interruption. Or didn't they care about the plight of this woman and her daughter? In Matthew's account, Jesus didn't answer at first. This was certainly a test of the woman's faith, but it was also a test of the disciples to see how they would respond. Perhaps it was still fresh in their minds how they had failed to heal the demon-possessed boy at the end of the story of the Transfiguration. So they were frightened of falling on their faces again in failure. What we do know is that they came perilously close to stopping a demon being exercised and a woman's faith being rewarded. The challenge to us is that a coldness of heart or indifference to people's needs can so easily take hold of our hearts. We're aware of incredible physical and spiritual needs in our immediate vicinity, even more in other parts of the world but we can become immune to people's suffering, corruption, or injustice. We can come up with so many excuses, perhaps similar to some of the thoughts that were going through the disciples' minds. We don't know where to begin. The needs are so big. Our resources seem so inadequate and insignificant. We have other priorities. We don't want to get distracted. Maybe we think the person has got themselves into this mess. It's their own fault. The disciples could have brought this woman to Jesus, but they didn't. They tried to send her away. Now, how do we react when we come into contact with people? Are we looking for ways in which we can help them on their journey of faith, making it easier for them to come to Jesus? Perhaps a word at the right time an act of hospitality, kindness, giving them that most precious commodity of all, time. How do you think the disciples must have felt when they witnessed the healing? Obviously amazement at Jesus' power, but perhaps a little bit of shame, embarrassment, that they'd failed yet again. Did they learn from their mistake? Well, If you had time to read on in this Mark chapter 7, the very next story is of another person coming to Jesus for healing, and that time the disciples don't get in the way at all. So I'd like to believe that they had learned from this mistake. So are we trying to be stepping stones to Jesus or in danger of becoming a hindrance or blockage through our indifference or even intentionally turning people away? Are we tempted to limit who we think can come to Jesus 
excluding certain groups or people. Of course, we would never admit that openly, but our actions might tell a different story. And this incident illustrates that Jesus' ministry has no limits, but was extended to everyone. It wasn't the exclusive possession of the Jewish nation. And his compassion reached to this nameless, marginalized Gentile woman. It's still the same today. And the challenge for us is who can you and who can I help on our journey of faith to Jesus? If we had met Kia and his wife Negan 20 years ago, we may have felt there were beyond the reach of Jesus. We probably wouldn't have known how to engage with him, what to say, how to begin to share the love of Christ. But as we listen to their story and see how God has worked in their lives, how he's using them, my prayer is that it will inspire us to see people with the same compassion that Jesus had and to see how Jesus can turn people's lives around and make them servants of his and usable in his service. Can we learn from the mistakes of the disciples and the faith of this woman and ask God to keep our hearts soft and be alert of who and how he wants to show his compassion to? Amen.